Michael Vonnen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. And if you've watched my channel in a fair amount, then you've probably noticed that I'm not too happy about the way that Peter Jackson changed Faramir's character in the movies. And I've talked a lot about him. But in this video, I actually want to talk about his brother Boromir. Because he actually made some changes to Boromir. And I think Boromir's a much more interesting and, and deeper character in the novel than he is in Peter Jackson's movies. Although in some ways it's he's kind of just the flip side of what Peter Jackson makes him out to be. So I want to talk about what he's like in the novel, kind of compare that to what Peter Jackson did in the movies, and say why I think the novel version is better. So let's get going. Our introduction to Boromir in both the novel and the movie is the Council of Elrond, because that's when everybody in, in the story first meets him. He shows up, although in the movie does it slightly differently. In the movie, everybody was called to a meeting. In the novel, everybody just kind of shows up for their own reasons. That really has no bearing on the character. But when he shows up, he is fairly similar in both the novel and the movie. His idea is to use the ring as a weapon against Sauron rather than to try to destroy it. Although in the novel, it's slightly less overt. He's a little more like, well, why are we trying to do that? Why can't we just use it as a weapon as opposed to, no, let's just use it. You know, it doesn't just come straight out. He, he has enough diplomatic sense to know that in the face of everybody else saying we ought to do this one thing, he's just, he's not going to go out all out and say, no, let's, let's do something totally different. So at first they seem like very similar characters. The main difference being that Peter Jackson seems a little more willing to put himself forward and, and be extreme. Uh, we also, in the movie, get uh, a short little scene with uh, Boromir and Aragorn where Boromir finds the shards of Narsil, picks them up, and you very much get the idea that he's dismissive of the idea of a king and also kind of enthralled with the idea of kingly power. Now, one of those is true. He was enthralled with kingly power in the book, and in fact, he, there's a story that Faramir tells where uh, he tells Frodo, that is, that when they were young, Boromir would ask his father Denethor, why is there no king in Gondor? And Denethor, you know, told him the history and why there was no king, and Boromir would basically ask, well, it's been so long, why hasn't there been why, why can't the steward just become king at this point? And Denethor would tell him, well, you know, in a kingdom of lesser lineage, maybe that would fly, but in Gondor and the race of Numenor, we're going to actually wait for the king to come. And uh, Faramir makes the point that, you know, that tells you something about Boromir's character, because you can already see Boromir's kind of reaching, he wants that kind of glory. And it actually points out in some of the appendices and other stuff that Boromir is actually Boromir II. There was an earlier Boromir in the line of the stewards who, like the Boromir we know, was a very, um, a very warlike, valiant man who was more focused on warfare and things like that. Whereas Faramir's character is much more, he's much more willing to, to be studious and things like that. Whenever Gandalf would come to Minas Tirith, he was always very happy to learn from Gandalf what he could. Boromir was much more interested in feats of arms, you know, battle, and that sort of thing. Um, 
further along in the book, you start to get really more differences in the character, and that's when it starts to really develop. Although a lot of it you get in kind of references to past events more so than the actual events themselves. So, for example, when Frodo meets Faramir, he actually tells Faramir that Boromir was satisfied of Argorn's claim to be the king of Gondor. Um, you never actually find that out in the book until Frodo tells Faramir, but presumably Frodo is telling the truth, so we have to assume that happened at some point. And, I mean, it's kind of implied in the Council of Elrond because Boromir and Aragorn kind of have a discussion about the, the blade of uh, Isildur, which that whole thing goes down very differently as well, but it's, again, not as relevant to the character. And when Frodo, you know, mentions this to Faramir, that tells us something about Boromir, that he's not... He's not like he is in the movie, just a completely different, uh, this idea that he's completely opposed to having a king, because in the movie he says Gondor has no king, Gondor needs no king. It's not really the way he is. I mean, going back to the story about him and Denethor, he's wondering why there is no king. He wants to be one himself, but he's also, as Faramir says in the novel, he would want to be king himself and therefore see Aragorn as a rival in some sense, but he would also, in, in Faramir's words, greatly reverence him because he does actually have a high opinion of people with that, you know, level of lineage and authority. So there is something more to Boromir than that. The other big thing uh, about Boromir is that you find out from Merry and Pippin's point of view that they considered him a very, uh, a, you know, despite his faults at least, a very good guy. I mean, he was a a nice guy. He was, you know, he was sort of the race of Numenor. I mean, he, he was a high-born person of a high high race and of men, and so he's got that going for him. But even Merry and Pippin's perception of him is a little bit different than Frodo's because not being the ring bearers and thus the target of his attention they get to see a nicer side of him. And yet kind of comes through in the movies a little bit. Uh, like when in the Fellowship, the Boromir is kind of teaching Pippin and Merry to sword fight a little bit, and you kind of get a little hint of that. But it's, again, in the novel, it's mostly kind of retrospect. So in when Pippin uh, pledges his service to Denethor, he, in the novel, it actually kind of goes back in his mind where he's thinking about the, you know, the nobility and the, and the, you know, the good characteristics that he remembers about Boromir, not just the fact that he saved them from the orcs. So there's a lot going on there that we kind of get in different scenes that are pretty interesting. Um, so a lot of that ends up being different than the movie. And there's one thing in the movies that I kind of want to focus on in the next segment that really is what I think m m twists it, twists his character up a little bit. So in both the novel and the movie, of course, Boromir is attracted to the idea of taking the ring and using it as a weapon. The interesting thing about the movie, though, is when you get to the two towers, you get a flashback scene where Faramir is remembering uh, a time when they had retaken the city, as, city of Osgiliath, and he's remembering that he's celebrating with Boromir. Denethor comes, and Boromir is actually kind of upset about Denethor showing up, and he says, can he give us one moment of peace? Uh, because Boromir is in the in the movie is very uh, keenly aware of the fact that Denethor is not that nice to Faramir, and they're actually both very good friends. And that's true in the novel as well. Boromir and Faramir very much were 
loving brothers, whereas Denethor always kind of looked down on Faramir. But the interesting thing about the scene is that when Denethor tells Boromir, I want you to go do this, he's, you know, hesitant at first, as if he understands the danger of the ring, which in the novel he didn't even know that's what he was going to find in Rivendell. That was a, again, that's totally different than in the book. But the hesitation gives you the idea that he's actually a really good guy who just, when he gets around the ring like every other man in Peter Jackson's cinematic version, is instantly corrupted by the ring, as if that's just something that happens to everybody, except Aragorn. Um, and the reason I think this kind of twists things around a little bit is because, again, you get the idea in the novel that Boromir is actually very much of that mindset the whole time. Uh, and again, Faramir is kind of explaining that to Frodo in the novel, talking about how he does want, you know, the glory of battle. He wants to achieve power and rank and things like that. Those are kind of the things that most interest him as a man. And so you get the idea in the novel that Boromir's attraction to the ring is not something that just happens. It's something that's, it, the ring is basically playing on things that are already true of him. The other interesting thing about the scene, too, is the fact that Boromir at first doesn't want to go, and Faramir offers to go. In the novel, the way it goes down, Faramir has a dream at first, and then Boromir ends up having it later, which is kind of prophetic and points them to Imladris, which is Rivendell. Denethor tells him what that means, and Faramir at first was wanting to go because he had the dream first, and that was also Denethor's idea, but Boromir you know, being the, the man of action that he was, he decided he wanted to go do it, and he was so forceful about it that they finally gave in and let him go. And, of course, this really ends up eating up Denethor later on because he, you know, he, he wonders what would have happened if Faramir had gone instead of Boromir and Boromir hadn't died. And, of course, that's similar in the novel and the book, but in the, I mean, the novel and the movie, but, of course, in the novel, because Boromir is the one who kind of forced it and instead of Denethor sending him, it's not quite the same dynamic. But it, again, gives you that distinction of Boromir is the one who really wants to go do this. Um, in the novel, not so much because he knows it's the ring, but just because he's the adventurous type. He wants to you know, be the one to accomplish great deeds and, the, and things like that. So there's a lot of different things going on there. And that, that flashback scene in the Two Towers movie really gives you a different idea of who Boromir is because Peter Jackson starts him off more or less the same in the sense that, you know, he's attracted to the ring, he gets corrupted and whatnot, but then he goes back and essentially retcons his character and says that, oh, he was originally a really nice guy, kind of like Faramir was a nice guy, but everybody just instantly gets corrupted as soon as they're around the ring, whereas in the novel, you, you know, you see his corruption and then later on you get explained this is why it was so easy for him to be corrupted. So those are kind of the main differences between the, the novel and the movie in terms of Boromir's character. Now let me kind of explain why I think the novel version was better. Of course, the book is always better than the movie, right? Um, but I think one of the big things about the, the change that makes Boromir's character worse is it, it turns him into just another guy who gets corrupted by the ring, as opposed to he is very much his own character who has his own personal flaws, 
which the ring can play on in, in a very particular way. And that makes him a good counterpoint to Faramir in the novel, because Faramir is the one who is never seeking glory for its own sake or seeking battle for its own sake. He goes out of his way to say, I don't love the sword for its sharpness or the spear for its brightness or the arrow for its swiftness. I love only that which they defend. He's perfectly willing to engage in battle to defend Minas Tirith, but he's not seeking glory in battle for its own sake, unlike Boromir, who very much is. So that that counterpoint is what part of what makes both Boromir and Faramir very interesting. They're both sons of the same father, but they have very different personalities. Faramir inherits a little bit more from his mother. Boromir is much more like Denethor. And that really ends up showing when you get the conversation between Frodo and Faramir, where Faramir is really explaining a lot of their history and their backstory, you get a lot deeper understanding of who they are. Boromir is proud. He is very, um, again, warlike. That's, that's what he is into is, again, the glory of battle and things like that. Faramir is much more willing to learn and, and be more even-handed and, and even-keeled in a lot of ways. Faramir has his own flaws. He is kind of, you know, the Denethor is overbearing, and Faramir does kind of want his attention a little bit too much, even in the, the novel. But you still get the distinction of Faramir is not prone to the same weaknesses that Boromir is, and that's why Faramir is able to resist the ring in the novel. Whereas, again, because of the way that Peter Jackson portrays the characters, both Faramir and Boromir are men, and therefore they're bad and they fall. That's just kind of it. I mean, it starts right off in the introduction to the movie where it says that men above all else seek power. Well, that's not really true in the novel, and that's what makes Boromir's character interesting. Boromir is one of those people, much like Denethor. Denethor, as Gandalf tells him in the novel, He's trying to look out for Minas Tirith, which is good, but he's doing it out of a selfish motive, which is he wants to be the guy ruling the kingdom that is the biggest deal in Middle-earth, and he's viewing it from that perspective. He's not viewing it from the perspective of, I need to take care of Minas Tirith because it's the best vanguard against Sauron. He's looking at it more in the perspective of, I'm hot stuff. And so... You know, you could see where, you know, Denethor and Boromir are very similar in that respect. They both want uh, the rank, the glory, the the power, the prestige, that sort of thing. Whereas Faramir, inheriting more of his personality from his mother, is a much different person and therefore doesn't have those same flaws. He has different flaws. And they, you know, they do make him interesting, but they're not the same. And that, you know, again, gives you a, a counterpoint between Boromir and Faramir. And the other interesting thing about it, too, is Boromir's character is a little bit deeper in the novel just because it does show he's not always just against Aragorn because he's going to be somebody above him in, in the, the hierarchy. Although Faramir, even in the novel, does say that if, if they ever reached Minas Tirith together, it might come to uh, a little more hostility because then you would actually have a real change in Boromir's situation. But you do definitely get the idea that Boromir acknowledged who Aragorn was, you know, that he's rightfully the king, and that he had respect for him, even if it was only for the, the time being because they hadn't really come to the test of, okay, now I'm really going to be king, what now? Um, 
but there's just a lot more going on in Boromir's character than just, oh, he's a good guy, and then he comes to the Council of Elrond, sees the ring, and bam, instantly corrupted. Because that just, again, it just flattens out the character too much. So anyway, that's why I think Boromir is a much more interesting, even if very similar character uh, in the novel as compared to Peter Jackson's movies. So I hope you enjoyed that video. I think it's uh, interesting because it shows that even, even when Peter Jackson gets things mostly right, he does change things just enough to make it worth rereading the novels. And I, I go back every now and then when I reread them, I realize just how much changed in the movies because you don't, you don't remember all the details from the novels. And so when you go back and read it after watching the movies several times, you realize... Yeah, I've forgotten that. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that. If you haven't actually read the novels, hope you learned something interesting about Boromir that made you like his character a little more. Uh, not necessarily as somebody likable, but at least as more interesting. Uh, if you want to learn more about Tolkien, uh, either in Middle-earth or his non-Middle-earth writings, then you can subscribe to the channel. You could also follow me at JRRTLore on Twitter. And please like the video if you enjoyed it. And until next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namariate.